I'm author and athlete Brad Kearns. Welcome to the Be Rad Podcast, where we explore ways to pursue peak performance with passion throughout life. Visit bradkearns.com for great resources on healthy eating, exercise, and lifestyle. And here we go with the show. It was so far beyond uh, comprehension for me that I'm still shaking my head. It's like, how can somebody train that hard and do a succession of five very impressive workouts in a single day? Considering that adaptations to stress and damage don't actually improve our health, stress and damage are also, we should know, that they're cumulative and that the benefits of environmental stimuli are due to their specific effects rather than the stress they cause. Right? I'm not going to go to the track, do a sprinting, jumping workout, come home, uh, have, a, have an egg, uh, work on the computer, and then head back to the track uh, two and a half hours later for another track workout. That's ridiculous. Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low-impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. Okay, I hope you enjoyed the compelling title of what I think is going to be a very interesting and thought-provoking show, particularly because we call into question some of the foundational elements of the progressive health, the ancestral health movement. And the quote that's been haunting me since I heard it from Jay Feldman of the Energy Balance Podcast, uh, what, maybe a month ago by now, I first heard him on the Ben Greenfield Fitness Podcast. I encourage you to listen to that. I encourage you to listen to our interview. And this is uh, just some further reflections on the important topic of optimizing diet and life stress factors 
for improvement, for resiliency, as opposed to uh, knocking us down. And I'm certainly familiar with that as I relate often my uh, stint as a professional triathlete, that 10-year block of time in my life can easily be categorized as overly stressful and not contributing to health nor longevity, in fact, directly compromising both of those important goals. Uh, It seems like today the athletes are more sophisticated and more intelligent about their training, especially in the endurance sports. And I think what we've seen there uh, is more people performing at the elite level standard and records being broken, especially in a younger sport like triathlon, uh, where these records of the old times of my era are being shattered by today's athletes. They're just performing in mind-blowing, uh, going seven hours and 30 minutes or, or even below that for Ironman distance triathlon. It's just unfathomable that someone could swim, bike, and run that fast all day long when we had the great athletes of our time and training as hard as we possibly could, spending a lot of our lives out there swimming, biking, and running, and now the modern athlete is basically shattering the elite performance standards of the previous era. Are they compromising their health and their longevity in the process? Most likely so, but in some ways, maybe they're mitigating some of that damage with more intelligent training patterns. I'm watching a video of a a day in the life of training of the great Ironman and Olympic champion Jan Frodeno, uh, the German, and the the workouts he accumulated. I'm sure he picked his very best day, right? When the camera crew is coming to follow you around, you're not going to take an easy day. You're going to throw down and let everybody uh, be wowed on YouTube. Uh, but still, even if he was manufacturing an ideal training day or embellishing uh, what might happen in his typical program, it was so far beyond uh, comprehension for me that I'm still shaking my head. It's like, how can somebody train that hard and do a succession of five very impressive workouts in a single day? (laughs) Where he's going to the track in the morning, going back to the track in the evening, uh, prior to that doing hill repeats and uh, getting a nice bike ride in there and an extremely long, long swim at sunrise. Oh my goodness. Anyway, as we fast forward to present day, where that stint of my life, that overly stressful period uh, in pursuit of elite athletic performance is gone. And now I'm trying to Uh, balance peak performance goals with goals for health and longevity, uh, I am haunted by this quote from Jay Feldman, fasting prompts stress hormones. We know this to be true. I just haven't reflected on it sufficiently and uh, discarded it in the pile, but it's extremely important, especially uh, talking to a certain population who are striving for peak performance, anti-aging, recovery, vitality, And I'll discuss shortly how someone in a different category, the opposite category, with uh, metabolic damage, metabolic dysfunction, uh, obesity, uh, high risk factors for disease in blood work, uh, maybe the message might be received differently. But when I hear someone telling me that my health practices are turning on stress hormones, I am going to snap to attention and try to figure out if this is indeed a wise strategy. So we know that the stress response is part of the process of unlocking energy from storage. So when we're fasting, when we are restricting carbs, when we're eating in a ketogenic pattern, when we are doing time-restricted feeding, all these wonderful attributes that are the centerpiece of progressive health, uh, we are activating the stress response to release uh, stored fuel 
into the bloodstream to burn for energy. Uh, if you want to drop excess body fat, this is going to be part of the process is activating that, uh, those fight or flight mechanisms to unlock stored body fat and burn it. Same with the widely touted benefits of autophagy and apoptosis. Autophagy is the natural internal cellular detoxification process. So uh, we recycle and clean up or dispose of damaged cellular material before it can uh, cause further damage in the body. Apoptosis is the programmed death of dysfunctional cells such as precancerous cells. And these mechanisms are upregulated when you are in a fasted state or calorie restriction state or a low-carbohydrate ketogenic state. Uh, we know that ketones burn very cleanly in the body. They are known by many experts to be the preferred fuel source in the brain uh, because they enhance oxygen delivery and blood circulation to the brain. They burn more cleanly than glucose, which is the typically preferred fuel for the brain. But it must be recognized and acknowledged that these are all stress responses. So autophagy, apoptosis are ways that your body works more efficiently and more thriftily in a fasted state, as opposed to, let's say, an overfed state or a chronically overfed state, which is believed to drive all manner of metabolic disease, cancer, heart disease, all that, where the body, instead of being uh, efficient, is engaging in accelerated cell division to the detriment and the potential increased disease risk from things like cancer, which is marked by, right, unwanted uh, and accelerated cell division. The tumors are growing. So when we fast, when we starve ourselves, when we time-restricted feeding, we kick into gear these wonderful mechanisms. Now it's time to sit back for a second and reflect. Um, we have a very stressful, hectic, high-stress modern life uh, uh, as a baseline for most of us, right? And then we are piling on top of that things like training for crazy endurance goals or heading to the local fitness facility to participate in group exercise, which are by and large, I contend to be slightly or to significantly overly stressful workouts for most of the participants. Same with the home-based exercise programs where we want to push ourselves and feel a little bit of strain and suffering to balance all the comforts of uh, modern life and the sedentary patterns that we engage in. But it might be a valuable question to ask, do I need to introduce more stress into my life? Is the best pathway to health this hormetic stressor approach? And in that category, of course, falls uh, high-intensity workouts, uh, fasting, calorie restriction, carb restriction, uh, cold plunging, sauna, and uh, assorted other uh, what we call hormetic stressors, right? So if the answer is, hmm, maybe not, I'd like to know further and investigate this issue further, it is time to challenge some of the basic and widely touted notions of the progressive health movement, the ancestral health movement. Um, we compare and contrast to our ancestors, and we need to regain a lot of those uh, lifestyle circumstances that made us strong, resilient, uh, good fat-burning human beings uh, rather than uh, modern-day uh, slobs and gluttons, but we have some complexity to discuss here, and that brings up 
a quote on the matter from Jay Feldman, Energy Balance Podcast, quote, in fact, considering that adaptations to stress and damage don't actually improve our health, stress and damage are also, we should know, that they're cumulative and that the benefits of environmental stimuli are due to their specific effects rather than the stress they cause. Hormesis would be best characterized as an extreme misrepresentation of the interaction between the organism and the environment. Ouch. <laughs> End quote. Uh, so what he's saying there, that the, uh, the benefits of environmental stimuli are due to their specific effects rather than the stress they cause. Uh, when you're talking about picking up a weight, and lifting it off the ground, doing a set of deadlifts. You are activating the muscles. You are moving them through a range of motion. You are challenging the uh, the bones and joints to become more resilient, increase bone density, increase muscle strength. But we also know that doing a set of deadlifts causes a certain uh, element of damage or doing a whole workout that features deadlifts and a bunch of other stuff. You are inflicting cellular damage uh, upon the the relevant muscles, and when you wake up the next day sore, like I do often when I'm going and uh, doing an ambitious workout in the gym, that's an indication of a very likely uh, excessive uh, stress to the organism, causing unwanted cellular damage and requiring extensive uh, recovery time and rebuilding time and protein synthesis to repair the damaged muscle fibers rather than uh, specifically to uh, grow them stronger. So we have to uh, separate those two, um, th- those two ideas where the specific effects of the stress of running 10 miles Again, your heart and lungs are working, you're pumping uh, blood to the working muscles, you're teaching your lungs to process oxygen efficiently, you're improving your running economy, uh, how much energy is required uh, to run at an eight minute per mile pace or a 10 minute per mile pace, right? So all those things are having an adaptive effect to the body, but you're also inflicting cellular damage, you're developing, you're prompting free radical production anytime you do any kind of workout, uh, and especially the extreme workouts, you're inflicting a ton of damage onto the organism. And we have to consider that the stress and the damage don't actually improve our health. So in other words, uh, when we're when we're pursuing fitness goals and, and getting fit, we're getting fit despite the damage that the fitness stimulation causes to the body. Hey ladies, you may have heard me talk about Gaines Wave treatment for improving male penile vascular health and sexual function, and maybe you thought, hey, what about my needs? Well, Gaines Wave has got you covered with a revolutionary new treatment protocol called Gaines Wave for Her. As with the male Gaines Wave treatment, a skilled practitioner uses a handheld device to send low-intensity shock waves into your vaginal area to stimulate a healing response, promote increased blood circulation, and the growth of new blood vessels. After a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results with Gaines Wave reporting an 80% success rate. Some benefits. You will revitalize your intimate relationships with heightened sensation and arousal and enhance pleasure and satisfaction. Don't contemplate invasive procedures or uncomfortable medical treatments. Regain confidence and reclaim your sexuality with Gaines Wave for her. 
you visit the website gainswave.com, G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area. You complete a series of treatments and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment. So please visit gainswave.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area and take advantage of my special promo that you'll mention when you find your local practitioner. Buy six treatments and get one free. And so when we throw this term around, hormesis, which has widely been characterized as uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? That's one of the, the fundamental quotes of the fitness industry, the biohacking world, and so forth. Uh, It's very interesting that Feldman points out that the origination of this concept came from, this is nasty, people, Um, you're going to, it's going to turn your stomach, but it came from the nuclear and chemical industries back decades ago. They were trying to pass off the terrible things that they were doing to humans and to the environment, such as exposure to radiation or exposure to poisons like routine pesticides and things that were making their way into modern times. They're trying to pass those off as beneficial hormetic stressors. That is where the concept of hormesis originated. Don't worry about those x-rays. You're blasting your cells with radiation, but your cells will come back stronger. Uh, due to the hormetic effects. So it was a complete uh, uh, misinterpretation, or as Jay says, an extreme misrepresentation of the interaction between the organism and the environment. Uh, What about cold plunging, which I'm so fond of, it has become so popular. Uh, Again, um, you're getting a variety of physical and importantly, psychological benefits, right? But we do not want to stay in there too long or it's an absolute disaster. Same with the sauna. And believe me, I've uh, teetered on the outer edges here a couple times, so I'll relate how that feels. Uh, One of them was way back when I was uh, just a teenager and doing one of my earliest triathlons. Uh, This was way back in the day before wetsuits. If you're familiar with the sport, now you can uh, look at the the, the pack jumping into the, the ocean or the lake and if it's cold, everyone's wearing a head-to-toe, these really slick, expensive racing wetsuits. But before those were invented, I had to swim 1.2 miles in Lake Ming in Bakersfield on a crisp April day where the snow melt was still, uh, you know, putting the, the water temperature down at 64 degrees Fahrenheit. And after nearly a half an hour, maybe longer, uh, I started to become significantly hypothermic while I was trying to finish this swim. And you know, when you get hypothermic, guess what happens first? That's right. Um, Your body starts to preserve the internal organs to save your life. And so the blood leaves your extremities. So all of a sudden your swim stroke that used to be (laughs) reaching out and extending uh, six feet between strokes, then it goes to five, then it goes to four, and then you're basically dog paddling out there, which is really bad because that means you're in the lake longer than you hoped for or planned for. And that was not a healthy endeavor. I barely made it to shore. Um, I tried to get my bike shoes on, but I couldn't work my hands. I couldn't work the brakes on the bicycle. And so there's my uh, hypothermic story. And in the sauna, I've uh, teetered around on the edges where I spent a little bit too long in there and got out and felt lightheaded, like I wanted to pass out and kind of felt uh, beat up for hours afterward. So this is just a simple example when we talk about hot and cold therapy, that you want it to be an appropriate 
level to stimulate uh, these wonderful adaptations and minimize the stress to the organisms. So we talk about uh, heat shock proteins being produced when you expose yourself to sauna, the cold shock proteins being produced when you expose yourself to cold, and those are highly beneficial uh, in appropriately minimal amounts. And imagine just taking it to the extreme, and then you get massive damage and destruction from overheating, right? People die from overheating, and people die from hypothermia. Okay, so uh, when we're looking for that sweet spot of how much stress is appropriate and how much to accept in pursuit of fitness, right? So I mentioned my triathlon experience was I was piling on way more stress than was appropriate because I had to get onto a jet airplane, fly across the world, and then go pedal my brains out uh, to try to win a prize check, right? So that was all acknowledged. But today, when we have an ability to uh, make decisions about what's appropriate, I felt like this energy balance message was talking directly to guys like me who are trying to get maximum energy to perform through daily life in assorted areas, particularly uh, fitness, athletics, and as well as the cognitive challenges and uh, being the best I can be in every way as a career person, family person, right? So if I put everything into a scoreboard or a basket, uh, all the stress factors, cold plunging, fasting, uh, playing around with carb restriction and ketogenic diets, especially in research for doing one of the first books written, uh, one of the first mass market books written on the keto diet, the keto reset diet. I went deep, deep into keto because I was obligated to, as Mark Sisson and I were studying the concept for the first time. And let me tell you, it was a, a challenge and possibly inappropriately paired with the challenge of doing uh, extreme workouts. And I had a lot of crash and burn experiences that I thought were just, hey, if I can just adapt further, this thing's going to be great and I'm going to be able to be a low-carb athlete and all that stuff. So today, um, as I'm trying to uh, optimize the, the stress level in my life, uh, I realized the first stress factor is being uh, 57 years old and still wanting to head out to the track and jump over a bar or sprint in a circle. Okay, so um, that going into the game, I got to be really, really careful, much more careful than the dude on the high school track team who was going out there, the college track team, slamming themselves on day one, coming back, slamming themselves on another day and living to tell about it and actually uh, perhaps thriving from a, a very high stress approach to training because they have uh, optimal recovery uh, thanks to being younger. So this is a delicate subject, especially if you're in the older age groups. Now, if, if, lest you get confused and think that I'm slamming all these health practices that I've been promoting for a long time, like jumping in the cold water, going into the sauna, uh, performing high-intensity workouts, we got to keep the context right here. Um, the, the psychological benefits of taking on challenges of a physical uh, and or cognitive nature are profound because we do live in this indulgent era of comfort, convenience, and nonstop ability to just obtain instant gratification, participate in the consumerism society, watch others push and challenge themselves with those crazy television shows. What's the show? I haven't watched it yet where they drop the person into the, uh, the frozen tundra with only a couple tools and they have to survive for a month or something. Wow, sounds exciting. But don't forget that 
that participation uh, is essential to uh, experience the the maximum benefits and live a rich, meaningful, satisfying, contributory life. You don't want to just be somewhat on the sideline obsessed with comfort and convenience. And I do feel like um, temperature is a big uh, issue here because we spend almost all of our time in comfortable temperature-controlled environments. Some research, I believe from Great Britain, uh, suggested that I, I thought it was uh, 86% of the time we spend indoors and another six we spend uh, behind the wheel of a vehicle. So that's 92. So even when we have the temperature extremes that humans live in in population centers across the world, whether hot, cold, whatever, or, or you know, varied, um, we're only talking about 8% of our total time being outdoors anyway. So why complain about the humidity uh, in, in New Orleans in the summer if you're indoors looking out a glass window 92% of the time? Same for the, the cold, rainy uh, winters that we uh, endure in the Pacific Northwest. Come on now, people. Uh, let's talk when you are on the chain gang putting on chains uh, for the cars heading up to the snow and that's your job all winter. Then I want to hear about how the winter is tough. Uh, so for most of us, we would greatly benefit from a little more temperature uh, therapy, temperature experience, because we've gone so far overboard. Uh, Dr. Jack Cruz, I did a summary highlight show of his around-the-clock insights about the hormonal processes that happen over the 24-hour day, and he makes a particularly important point about postmenopausal females, uh, the benefits of becoming cold adapted uh, so that change in hormones that occurs uh, for females after menopause can be largely mitigated and some of the increased risks of uh, cancers and demise can be mitigated by doing a bit of cold therapy. That's probably a, a category of humans that might be least interested in cold therapy. I'm thinking more of the 19 to 34 aged male that's going to be more receptive to my uh, wonderful YouTube videos about jumping in Lake Tahoe in the winter, running through the snow, or jumping into the chest freezer. Uh, however, it stands that um, becoming more cold adapted, uh, enduring some, some heat while we're out there exercising, gardening, or hiking uh, an appropriate amount uh, will have all kinds of hormonal benefits and fine-tune our stress response. So when our stress response is dulled by the modern comforts, that's when we're looking at accelerated demise and becoming uh, a weak creatures. Uh, who does uh, better promoting this message than my main man, Brian Liver King Johnson? If you haven't seen him on social media, go join the pack of uh, over a million people following him when he came out of nowhere. And he is all about uh, living the ancestral lifestyle and putting the body under discomfort in order to experience that flip side, uh, Dr. Anna Lemke, my recent show with her, she calls it the opponent process reaction, where if you induce an appropriate amount of pain, discomfort, challenge, you will get a rebound effect of a sustained sensation of pleasure, contentment, satisfaction, appreciation. So uh, jumping in the cold water will elevate your mood for hours afterward. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new 
zero-drop minimalist shoe with the distinctive five-toe design from my main man, Mark Sisson. Paluvas give you the most authentic barefoot style experience, but with sufficient cushioning so you can use them for all manner of daily movement, especially walking and many other fitness and athletic activities. Paluvas are also incredibly stylish, so you get a barefoot shoe that you're not embarrassed to wear around in daily life. It's been so cool to see the popularity of minimalist shoes grow over the recent years, but Paluvas are a step ahead of every other zero-drop wide-box shoe because of the critical feature of individual five-toe articulation, a separate slot for each of your toes. This allows for correct dynamic movement of the foot through the walking or running stride, which is impossible when your toes are encased into a single box, even a wide box. Well, you might know that minimalist shoes have faced controversy in recent years for causing injuries from inappropriate use. So here is the big picture mission. We want to get you walking in paluvas, living in your paluvas, going barefoot in your home or other safe areas as often as possible. Go ahead and use your specialized cushiony running shoes or your basketball shoes, work boots, high heels, things that you want to wear when you want to wear them, but wear your Paluvas as much as possible to reawaken the natural functionality of the human foot to stand, walk, run, and perform. Do you want to try a pair? I'm certain that when you put them on and walk around, you are going to quickly realize that these are the most comfortable, natural shoes that you've ever worn. They are designed to feel like you're, quote, walking barefoot on a putting green please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. Uh, Liver King also performs a five-day fast every quarter. He brings his wife, Barbara, along on the fasting journey, and the fast is preceded by what they call a failed hunt workout. So it's not preceded by an indulgent feast where you're you're good to go for the first 18 hours anyway because you just went to the buffet. No, you're doing an extremely grueling workout to deplete glycogen and then they kick off a five-day fast. Now, is that a stressor? It's a massive stressor. Hmm, does someone like Liver King who's already an extreme fitness specimen really need that physically speaking or could it be too much? It possibly be, possibly it could be too much. However, the psychological resilience, uh, the increased appreciation for the comforts and conveniences of modern life, especially uh, prepared meals and being able to satisfy your hunger anytime you want with the click of a button or the opening of a refrigerator door, when you when you tune up that stuff, um, that is a great argument for uh, leading a more uh, happy, content, satisfying life. I don't think it's easy to go on a five-day fast every quarter. I've never tried it and probably will never try it unless uh, Liver King ropes me into it. After I'm calling him out here, maybe he'll call me out for having never tried it. <laughs> However, the, the, the thing I'm reflecting upon is that a extended fast, maybe it's 24-hour, maybe it's 18-hour, whatever, um, this kind of um, act will, in many ways be rendered equivalent to an intense workout. You're starving your cells of energy to prompt a, what they often call a hormetic response. We might have to choose a different term, but 
you are starving your cells of energy so that your body systems work more efficiently and you kick into apoptosis, autophagy, and so forth. But the same thing happens when you deplete your glycogen during a tough workout. Brian's just stacking the, the tough workout with a five-day fast to go uh, all the way overboard into what could be uh, described as an extreme stressor. However, his adaptation has been profound since he's been doing it uh, frequently for years, right? So maybe that five-day fast is no big deal to him, and he's strong and resilient where he doesn't complain about it much. Uh, it might be tough getting out of the gate, right? It might be tough to fast for for 24 hours for many people out of the gate. Uh, but this concept that those have a similar or a comparable response in the body uh, is called redundant pathways. And Dr. Casey Means talked about that at length in our interview, and it was very interesting where um, it's also uh, relevant or applicable uh, with some of the content that Paul Saladino talks about where this plant hormesis getting a health benefit or an antioxidant response from consuming plant toxins can be equated with environmental hormesis, and environmental hormesis does not have the adverse side effects of plant hormesis. So when you jump into the cold tub, you get this profound anti-inflammatory, antioxidant response to the fight-or-flight stimulation of jumping into uh, very cold water and staying in there for a minute or two or three. And when you consume uh, a blueberry or broccoli or a kale salad, you are also getting, you're literally getting poisoned by the plant toxins and your liver is uh, kicking into gear and uh, producing the master internal antioxidant called glutathione in response to the blueberries, the broccoli, and the kale. And so that's widely regarded as a health benefit of consuming these quote-unquote high antioxidant foods. Um, so go listen to my shows with Dr. Saladino to get your head straight because I didn't realize that intermediate step where you have to a, consume poison, B, mount an antioxidant defense response, and then C, uh, experience the intended benefits. But uh, when you think about the potential negative aspects that go hand in hand with the benefits of consuming plant toxins, uh, the concept of redundant pathways becomes very interesting. So if someone says to me, hey, Brad, speaking of redundant pathways, would you choose a high jump workout or an extended fast where you starve your cells of energy? Uh, they're both going to give you a very similar uh, health benefit. And the high jump workout is probably going to make you a, a better high jumper and have a bigger fitness benefit than the fast. Which one are you going to choose? Remember, they're even. It's an even deal. Okay, I'm going to choose the workout, right? Uh, whew. Um, I think you, if you're raising your hand right now and you're following me, uh, this is a real eye-opener uh, because for a long time, I thought maybe stacking disparate types of hormetic stress could be a benefit. And I will relate. I've never said this before, I don't think. Uh, I didn't want to damage my brand, my reputation. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I really late that um, I had a, a, an awakening uh, recently. I think this is in the past uh, six months or whatever, uh, where I had three separate occasions of stacking a morning sprint workout with my typical cold plunge uh, regimen. Um, it was not back-to-back -back or any of those things where they talk about don't jump in the cold right after a workout. You'll blunt the inflammatory response. I'm talking about, let's say I waited a couple hours or whatever, but I had on a particular morning a cold plunge as well as a appropriately spaced 
uh, sprinting, jumping workout. And on three separate occasions, I had this very disturbing and unusual afternoon crash and burn where I felt uh, tired, achy muscles. Um, I didn't know what was going on. On one of the occasions, I thought, oh my gosh, is this is this COVID hitting me finally? <laughs> I, uh, I had to lay down for a very uh, a deep and extended nap uh, waking up uh, feeling okay afterward. Uh, but on the third time that it happened, that's when I put the, um, the pieces together and I concluded that maybe the extreme stress, again, we're talking about a 57-year-old wannabe athlete who's going over there and doing a practice that's more appropriate for high schoolers in their, uh, in their peak uh, hormonal years and conditioning, um, and then coming and then jumping in the cold water, maybe it was too much, and the cumulative effects of uh, the, the, the fight-or-fight stimulation that both of those prompt cause that crash and burn in the ensuing hours. Um, so I, you know, noted, duly noted to self and realize the benefits of spacing those things out, just as if the cold plunge uh, represented on the scoreboard um, a redundant pathway of another uh, sprint workout, right? I'm not going to go to the track, do a sprinting, jumping workout, come home, uh, have a have an egg, uh, work on the computer, and then head back to the track uh, two and a half hours later for another track workout. That's ridiculous. Uh, but in many ways, the cold plunge represented a second fight or flight stimulation in too uh, narrow of a time frame. Okay, this is a pretty heavy premise that uh, requires deep reflection. So I think I'm going to wrap up the show here before jumping into the next phase of the discussion where we talk about diet and the desire to reduce excess body fat and to optimize uh, energy intake, energy production, and energy storage. That's a whole other can of worms. Uh, But out of the gate, and I think this is a major theme that you'll hear in a lot of the Energy Balance podcasts, is this idea of a hormesis, uh, hormesis uh, 2.0, right? And so just to summarize, um, we're talking about uh, life stressors all going on the same side of the the scales of justice, right? The blind statue, the lady on the statue blindfolded, and then the two uh, little trays where you uh, weigh things and, and try to keep them in balance. So all those stressors go on the same side of the scale and need to be uh, reflected upon when we're trying to optimize uh, adaptation versus uh, all forms of life stress. And in many ways, the starving the cells of energy uh, have a bunch of redundant pathways. So fasting and high intensity exercise do the same thing. They prompt the same adaptations and uh, as far as uh, cellular energy production. And then the fitness adaptations are going to be higher when you're doing a workout rather than fasting. So stacking, cold exposure, fasting, high intensity exercise, and uh, a lot of birthdays is going to be an overload in my opinion, and also in my personal experience. So that's the thing I want you to reflect on is how's your stress bucket doing and how can we optimize? And this goes to that 
concept. I don't really like the term. People are uh, talking about minimal effective dose all the time. Um, I'm not a big fan because I think um, a lot of people have misappropriated that to be uh, the, the biohacker mentality where how can I sleep for only five hours if I put these wires on my head and, and you know, get this kind of mattress and be just as rested. Um, I don't think that's the, the, the point. And um, same with, you know, how can I do as little exercise as possible and get super fit? Uh, a lot of us enjoy exercise and enjoy our time out there on the trails, uh, in the mountains, hiking or running around the track and, and practicing the high jump. So um, I want to stay away from that minimal effective dose camp. Uh, but at the same time, the term is appropriate here because we want to get the maximum uh, fitness, hormonal, psychological uh, health and longevity benefits from what we're doing and find that sweet spot with caloric intake, which we'll talk about on the next show, with our uh, training patterns and exercise workout choices, which is a constant battle, and I'm still fighting that one. And my main mistake being I go and do a great workout, I think it's a fantastic fitness adaptation, and then I realize in the ensuing days that it was probably a bit too much because I'm having difficulty recovering and having to wait longer than desired or longer than optimal for my muscles to return to uh, peak function and a rested state, uh, the soreness gone and all that kind of thing. So we have redundant pathways and we have to consider stress in context, uh, especially this idea of hormesis where uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger is an extreme misrepresentation of the interaction between the organism and its environment. And there you have it, part one in a multi-part series on reflections about stress, energy balance, many other topics coming up. Thanks for listening. Hey man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gainswave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gainswave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gainswave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary Band-Aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gainswave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainswave from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. 
It's a tune-up for your equipment. And while it's great for ED, Gaines Wave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit GainesWave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area. And you can take advantage of my special promotion. Buy six treatments and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkearns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And remember, be rad.